his mum. Well, we've been looking at uh, Galatians uh, for a few weeks now, and uh, when I was, um, you know, praying about the um, uh, which passage we'll look at when we, we are doing them sequence uh, in sequence, um, I actually said to Chloe this morning in our service review, I was, I was trying to find a verse that was a little bit more exciting. You know, one that everyone hears and goes, wahoo you know, runs around jumping and screaming, or, you know, one of those wasabi verses, you know, when you have, you know, oh, that's a good verse. But we've, uh, but, and then Chloe rightly corrected me, she says, well, Pastor Grant, it is the Word of God, you know, it's going to work for people, praise God. So today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh and what it means to walk in the Spirit, yes. and we, last week we did, uh, uh, from the beginning of this passage, chapter 5, it is for freedom that you have been set free. And uh, it's good to know that we, in Christ, we are free from the bondages of sin yes. and from the effects of sin as in Christ Jesus. Yes. So we're talking today about the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to cover what it means to walk in the Spirit as opposed to what it means to walk in the flesh and uh, what it means to make then that choice the life choice or the lifestyle choice of walking of walking in the spirit. Now you will find maybe just we're just going to revert to paper. You will find that in most of uh, most of the epistles we have in the beginning of the beginning of the epistles we have teaching where the Holy Spirit is trying to form faith or wants to form faith within us. And then the second part of the epistles is what that looks like in, in real life. Now, very often, uh, Christians and the church, and we kind of revert to religion and we kind of look at those passages that tell us what to do and we forget about the pas passages that are the why or the reason or the faith that God wants to form in us before we act in a particular way. Because if, if it's just acting in a particular way, or doing particular things, it's really no more than just blanket religion, yes. right? But if we form the, the, the faith that God has for us from his word, and we, we learn and get firm beliefs in what he's going to do, then, then the, what we do, what we say, and how we act will bring those things to pass, yes. all right? So we, we act in response to belief. We speak in response to belief. We love in response to what we believe about people. We look at ourselves and call ourselves in response to what God, the faith that's been formed in us about how God sees us and how God cares about us. Yes. So that in the New Testament, it said, we read it last week, in Christ Jesus, nothing avails, nothing's important, nothing's of consequence except faith working by love. In other words, what we believe and the reason that we act on those beliefs. So in this, in this passage, uh, the Holy Spirit says uh, that we now have been set free, but do not use that freedom for an occasion to the flesh. Now, understanding grace and how the grace of God works, people norm we normally go through this process where we go, okay, I'm saved by grace. Fantastic. Okay, I'm sanctified by grace. Fantastic. That means, so you, if you go, that means I can do anything, you know. And that's what Paul got accused of teaching that. Jesus got accused of teaching that. In fact, all the grace faith teachers through history got accused of teaching that. All right. 
So if it was uh, uh, Martin Luther, and more recently some of the grace teachers, they all get accused, well, you're just giving people permission to sin. But rather, understanding the grace of God that God has for us gives us freedom and power not to sin. And freedom from the consequences of those sins. All right, if we repent and turn from them. All right, that's the grace of God. But it's power not to sin. In other words, instead of doing things to try and be somebody, we walk the walk of faith because we are somebody. We walk righteously because we believe ourselves to be righteous. People will almost always walk according to the identity that they have, how they see themselves. And I knew this because as a young teenager, I studied in depth the pretty girl, ugly boyfriend syndrome. <laughs> Has anyone noticed that syndrome? Yep, pretty. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're not saying that's how I got my husband. <laughs> and you can tell, you see, for, for us guys, you know, like if you if you find a girl like that, then you, you're ready to score, you know. So it's a good reason why uh, why why uh, husbands they think I married up. That's it. Thank you very much. But you get to see sometimes you get to see these really sweet sweet girls in high school, and then they go out with people that you think, why are you going out with someone? But even, you know, on a more serious note, people that put up with abuse and people that put up with being bashed and people that put up with torment because really how they see themselves, they see themselves as only worthy of receiving that. But because when we come to understand the love that God has for us and the grace that we have, then we learn to walk in righteousness. True? All right. Praise God. So. We'll look here and we're going to talk about what, uh, what the works of the flesh are and what the fruit of the Spirit here. And of course, Galatians, they list them. They list the works of the flesh. These are like the modus operandi. Everyone know the Latin? I know a little Latin. It goes like this. Nice little dance. No. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. It's the modus operandi of how the flesh works and the modus operandi of how the Spirit works. And he lists them. All right. He says, um, um, basically, the flesh, let me define the flesh. When the Bible talks about flesh, of course, we have the flesh here. But the flesh is any desire that is ungodly or is not towards God. Any desire we have in our heart or in our mind that is not towards God, it's not just things we do, it's things we think and ways in which we act and the reasons which we do. The Bible calls that the flesh. And the flesh we are called to put down. The flesh we're called to bring in subjection. The Apostle Paul says, even the Apostle Paul says, I bring my flesh into subjection. The great Apostle Paul, even Jesus had to bring his flesh into subjection. And we are called to bring that into subjection. And this passage tells us how we do that. There's a victory. I've never experienced a victory in my life, which was God wrought, God bought, miraculous, in which the battle was not the battle wasn't with the flesh. The battle was always with the flesh. And on the outside of that, on the inside of that, was a victory. Yeah. Who can testify to that? All right? So we're called to put down the flesh. So flesh is anything that feeds, here we go, anything that feeds our self-righteousness. There you go. That's religious flesh. 
anything that stokes you up and says for some reason because of the way I act or do I'm self-righteous or I'm worthy of the blessing of God that's flesh anything that feeds your sensual passions all right which causes you to act and draws you feeding your sensual passions. so be they sexual but be they also gluttony or be they all sorts of things that is the Bible calls that the flesh but also the flesh is anything that feeds in you a sense of self-pity I expected a really big amen on that one. <laughs> we love it. Who loves self-pity? Who loves to just sit in the corner sometime and go, I wish people never noticed me. Right? Feeds your self-pity or feeds your fears. That's the flesh. Because we, we, we kind of like to think it's we you know we what well, we're trying to train us to think it's really, you know, uh, falling in the flesh. Uh, is a sexual sin or overcoming or, or anger but but the majority or most things that we battle in the life are really about our sense of self-righteousness and things that feed our sense of self-pity or things that feed our sense of fear and they're often the biggest trap for Christians so in Galatians 5 then 19 he lists them and this is again the modus uh, the modus operandi of the flesh just lost my um, I touched something I'll touch it again there you go so uh, Galatians 5 verse is 19 it says or verse 18 it says uh, if you are led by the Spirit you are under the law now the works of the flesh or the deeds of the flesh are evident now some one one scripture says evident to all <laughs> isn't it embarrassing when your works of the flesh are evident to all yes. all right don't you just love it when your wife or your partner or your friend says, well, Grant, that's just the flesh. You're just having a fleshly moment. Or as we call it in spiritual circles, we're having a flesh out. Did anyone have a flesh out this morning? That's good. Right? It's spiritual. All right. Because, uh, you know, flesh outs often happen on the way to church. You know, flesh outs often happen on the way to church, especially if you're with a partner or you just, you know, you want to sleep in or you think, you know, their flesh outs so it says the works of the flesh are evident to all which kind of is embarrassing because if anyone is spiritually or spiritually discerning it's pretty obvious when the other person's having a flesh out okay but also notice it says the works the things that we do which is which are uh, inspired by the flesh are evident to all do you know it's actually not so there's almost nothing you can do which is not a sin if your motives are wrong you know helping an old lady across the street can be a sin that doesn't mean you stop helping old ladies across the street do that sin. but like if you're saying if you have a look like this and you know at the table who's watching wonder who's looking at me I'm gonna help those old lady cross them you know she might know it it might be evident to her but it, it's a self-righteous sin all right and the Bible says it reaps death and then it lists them it says the works of the flesh are obvious to all and we have this great list and you know those of us that are probably not as uh, 
sensing the righteousness of God as much as what we should and we slide down in our chairs and we just look straight ahead. All right, so you all just look straight ahead. Okay, it says uh, they're obvious. There's sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and factions. And then it says envy, drunkenness, carousing. <gasps> Take a breath. And then all the things that are similar. Oh, glory! That's a whole list of things which are which are works of the flesh. And unfortunately, they're big, like they're naughty words. We, we need to, aren't they naughty words? Like promiscuity is a naughty word. Sensuality is a naughty word. All right? And, but, but sometimes it helps to make them into a little less naughty words so that we can say, oh, well, that, that's part of my fleshly nature. But notice here that the first, uh, if you go back to 19, thank you very much. Uh, you know that the Bible wasn't written with verses, you know that? that that's, uh, I think, some monk in which century was it? Fifth or sixth century put the verses in there as to what he thought was appropriate. Uh, but evidently the monk, the monk saw things like I did because when you look at it, you see, well, these are the, the, these are the sexual sins. Immorality, which the, that word we get pornography from, all right? So being visually stimulated by things which you know are evil and are wrong. Impurity and sensuality running away, letting the lusts of the flesh run away from you. And they're the real obvious ones, which we say, you know, we have this expression, uh, this expression in Christianity that the person fell from grace, like a minister falls from grace. And that's often what they'll refer to. So they're, they're your obvious sexual ones. And then flip to the next verse. But then these are the religious ones. All right. And look. Go and look at the meaning behind these words. These are your religious works of the flesh. So what that tells me is that you can have the appearance, and we'll look at some of them briefly. You can have the appearance of being a very good Christian and really be working in the flesh. And we won't go into many of these in details, but idolatry. So whether you're denomination or whether you're like me and, you know, I've got a better Bible than all of you because it's leather. You know, it's made of goat skin. A goat gave it, Highland goat gave its life for this. And you make it, idolatry can be whatever you put in the place of God. And it's very religious. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, anger disputes, dissensions and factions. Now, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul uses many of these things to describe what religious people in the church were doing. The sort of the I'm right, you're wrong type attitude. Or the, or the talking with someone else about where the pastor or the elders are going wrong and maybe if they, if they, if they were more spiritual, they wouldn't do it this way. That's, that's dissensions. Or one of the translations says that's parting spirit. That's ganging up people against someone else. And in a sense, it's a type of self-righteousness because we get this feeling that we're, we're a right and we're getting our rightness from knowing more about the Bible than someone else. Or thinking that we live it better than someone else. So that's a religious work of the flesh. And then the next verse is then sort of all those other things that you get carried away with, be it hot dogs or racing cars or anything like that. All right, they're the other things. They're works of the flesh and they're evident to all. They're things that we do or we exert effort in to try and get the life that God has for us in Christ Jesus. 
they replace so we put our focus on them and we work hard in those areas and they may appear to be good things they may be good things but because our heart attitude is not one of grace and humility and walking in the spirit we're actually working walking the flesh now the next verse then says says that or don't this verse says this I forewarn you just as I, I, I forewarn you just as I already have forewarned you that those who practice or make a habit of those things now we all slip up on occasions don't we all right uh, so, yeah thank you very much thank you, brother yeah, man after my own heart we all slip up on occasions but making a practice of those things actually means you become very good at them you're very skilled at them you've made a habit of form of getting pity from people by the way you think act or you made a habit of it's your modus operandi to manipulate people by making them feel sorry for you or to create division when you're not feeling well to talk about someone behind the back now it says this that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god now that is a warning and it sounds a very big warning it does sound a little bit like works-based salvation, doesn't it? Does it sound a little bit like that? Okay. It says those who make a practice of these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, everyone that gets into heaven will at some stage, or many, it may be, you know, from time to time and occasionally and perhaps on the day they die be doing some of these things and they will get into heaven because they have put faith in the blood of Jesus Christ okay but in this life there are things that are ours because Jesus paid for those things you got that so there's love there's joy all those things there's joy in the Holy Ghost there's power to live this life there's provision, there's healing, there's fellowship, there's purpose, there's a reason to live. All those things are the inheritance of the believer. So the word inheritance means it's the portion. It's what God has for you if you're in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle John says, I would above all things or in everything that you prospered and walk in health even as your soul prospered. So it's the will of God that our soul prospers. It's the will of God to have emotional health and joy and happiness. And it's the will of God that we have all our needs met. And it's the will of God that we walk in health. All right? So, so these things, but they're not earned, they're not deserved. They are part of our inheritance yes. in Christ Jesus. Are you following me? You should be getting excited. <laughs> All right, because those things cannot be earned by the works of the flesh. The work, praise God, that's right. So, so doing things to appear to be righteousness and doing the things to manipulate the situation or trying to change people's point of view by the force of your personality or by your insistence or by talking bad about them or any of those other works of the flesh. Who knows that, that sexual fulfillment does not, no, no, I'm not expecting any hands to go up here, right? <laughs> does not come through promiscuity and pornography. All right? But that is the inheritance of the believers. 
is a fulfilled life, a fulfilled marriage. So those who practice those things will not inherit those things in this life. So the sad irony is, as try as we might, as hard as we might, it's not a sad irony, it's a good irony, is that we'll try and struggle to achieve those things and we'll never get them. They won't be, because true life comes through knowing God. Jesus said, this is life that you would know the Father and you would know the Son whom he said, that's life. All right, so the deeds of the flesh are evident to all and you don't get, in the end, you don't get what you're looking for. What you're getting will crumble. What you're getting will be shallow. You don't inherit the blessings that God has for you. Because in the, key, in the area of your life, guys, the area of our life where the Lord reigns, that's where his blessings flow. In the area of the life where we have made him king, and we're obeying him, that's where the blessings flow. And the area of our life where we, where, we, where we work in the flesh, where we're trying to manipulate things, trying to force things, right? That, you do not inherit the kingdom of God in that area. All right, we've got that. So then it says, then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith, Against such there is no law. Now you say to me, Pastor Grant, how can you know all these things? Because I learnt them in a song. <laughs> Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free, be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. For brethren, you've been called under liberty. You want me to sing it? Yeah. For brethren, you've been, did you say yes, Patricia? You're so cheeky. For brethren, you've been called under liberty, but only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. <laughs> the reason we don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh is because we won't get what God has for us by fleshing out. The, the righteousness of God is not achieved by the anger of man. Alright? The righteousness of God is achieved by staying cool. Staying in the spirit. Who knows Christians are cool? Yeah. How cool? Super cool. Arctic. We're called to be Arctic cool. And these words, they indicate that. Alright? So it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now you might think that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and obviously the Holy Spirit has those characteristics, but it's actually the fruit of your born-again, regenerated human spirit. Otherwise it would say Holy Spirit. But they are part of our nature, our born-again nature. And we are called to build ourselves up in the inner man, to feed on God's word, in prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit, reading, doing all the things which the Bible says are walking in the spirit, building up the inner man. And then those things come out like fruit. Yeah. And you just pick them off. Because you're not walking in the flesh, I'm walking in the spirit. So someone treats you wrong. Someone, and you just feel like backbiting or speaking badly. You go, I think I'm going to need to pick a bit of patience <laughs> off the tree from my inner man, the born again human spirit, which is being fed. I'm going to pick a bit of patience and then a bit of joy and a bit of love. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We can love people supernaturally. Love is always ready to believe the best in people. Love is always quick to forgive. We have that love in the side of us. And if we walk in the spirit, it pops up like fruit. We just pick it. Pick it. Pick a bit of love. Have a bit of that sweet. So I, I choose to eat 
of the fruit of love in this, in this situation, in this relationship. I choose to speak well of this person, believe the best in the person. I choose joy. That's a good fruit to choose, joy. Yes, amen. Right? We can have joy. And so that's what it looks like. That's the modus operandi of walking in the Spirit. And those things then, when we're using that, when we're walking in the Spirit, when love, joy, peace, we have those things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Yeah, all those things. <laughs> we, can, we can eat of them and then we inherit the kingdom of God. God then works on our behalf. All right, we're going to look at some examples of that. God works on our behalf. All right. So it says to walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, if you've got your Bibles there, or we will put up there. Romans 8, verse 5 and 7. This is what the Bible calls a parallel scripture. So the Apostle Paul, uh, if you want to find out what terminology means, uh, you find where the same author talks about similar things in the Bible. You cross-reference that. So here the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is talking on a similar subject. He says, For those who according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Next verse. For the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. We have a God-given ability to choose what we set our mind on. Now, I struggled actually with sharing this because it sounds a lot like works and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes down to it, guys, we actually have to make a choice. Yeah. We have to make a choice as to what we're going to think about. Yeah. And like I said, I've never had a, a victory in God that hasn't come with a fight of deliberately and actively and repeatedly over a long period of time deciding what I will think about in this situation. What I will choose to believe. So it says the mindset on the flesh uh, is at war, it goes on to say, is at war with the spirit, but the mind that is set on spiritual things embraces the spirit. So we can, we have, what the Bible says to walk in something, uh, it literally means that you establish well-worn pathways of how to get from A to B. Alright, so you know if you ever sort of, uh, you see those na those natural, I, 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 I ducked biology in year 11 and 12 because I watched all the nature programs. I must confess I didn't study anything, I just watched the nature programs. Alright, and I read the book on running. You know, remember back, those of you, anyone remember the 70s? Thank you very much. There was a running craze, you know, and I read that book and I watched all the nature programs. But they have, you know, animals that want to escape from a predator, a predator have a well-worn pathway that they, that they will run down and then they have little side alleys. So they're coming that, you know, you've seen it with rabbits, they run down that pathway. Well, to walk in something means to establish a well-worn pathway that is so well-worn that at, in the end you don't even need to think about it. Now, who's been in a situation where they've been driving to and from, especially driving from work, and you've been going for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, and so when you hop in your car one time, you start the engine, you drive away, and the next thing you know, you're at home, and you don't even know how you got there. Has anyone happened to everyone? Yeah. Well, in the things of the Spirit, now the first time 
you got home, of course, well, back in the day, you, we didn't have, we used to have a book, Chloe, it had all the roadmaps in it, like this, and then you'd go in, in the back, and I just need to understand these things. It's called a street directory, and, and uh, yeah, in the back, you'd look up the name of the street, and then, who, yeah, she thinks I'm lying, but I'm telling the truth, aren't I? You'd look up where you want to go, and then you'd have to look up. You couldn't just press the button that says, go from where you are. You had to look up where you are starting. And then you'd flip through the pages, and there might be five or six pages between one or the other. This is where I am. And who, who remembers you go along that road, and then, then, you, then it, you run out of page. Don't you? You run out of page. And it doesn't, the little dot doesn't move on those things, does it? It doesn't move. And so you've got to flip the page and it might not be the next page. Ain't that truth? It might be five pages up. And so you'd have to go and then you'd get the number along the top. And along, I'm not exaggerating. I know kids these days don't believe you when you tell them this. And then you have to find, and then you go and then and five or six pages later... So when you started to navigate and walk this well-worn path, you had to discipline yourself to, to work out four streets turn left. It is no different, actually, with the things of God. Uh, we, we have to, especially in the early stages, set our mind on what the promises of God have and then determine to follow that. All right? And I'll give you some examples. Or if we get time, I'll show you where it happened. But it says the mind that is set on that and you get to the stage in your Christian world where it's no longer a problem who knows you grow in faith who's glad you grow in faith yeah. who knows remember when you were first saved and you're wondering am I really saved you know I swore or I did something wrong am I really saved but then as you grow in faith you learn about it and then it's no longer a challenge well you grow in faith to have victory over your emotions you can do that you can grow in faith to have victory over sensuality. You can do that. You can grow in faith to have victory over whatever comes your way, poverty, sickness. You can grow in that. So it becomes a well-worn pathway. And the mind that is set on the well-worn pathways, walking in the Spirit is a lifestyle choice. And it's not done. The, the beautiful thing is, it's it, the Holy Spirit empowers you once you make that choice. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live that life. Yeah. It really does. He he really does. Not it. I think, beg your pardon. So, however, it's so it's a well-worn pathway. Romans five tells us then, and and you make that pathway. You make those habits. You decide what are your spiritual pathway habits. And I was chatting with Pastor Chloe this morning. She gets up and she says her confessions. Well, I've got some scriptures on the side of the kitchen wall at our house. And the Holy Spirit reminded me every now and again that they're not just there for, for, for looks sake. I had, and I stopped and I go through and make those confessions. And that's fair enough. But spending time in the Word, praying in the Spirit, choosing what you're listening to. Are you going to listen to, to uh, songs that edify and build up? Choosing what you watch. These are the world-worn pathways of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to work in the flesh and you want death to operate in your life, well, you don't have to choose them. But if you choose them, the fruit is life. The fruit is a well-worn pathway yeah. that leads to love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against such there is no more. And it will always, in the initial stages, involve the putting down of the flesh. We, um, 
I heard a story, a minister friend of mine told a story about he was shopping one day and uh, there was these kids running around the shopping centre, a couple of kids, and they were running right and they were pulling things off the, the wall and they were putting them on, on their, in, in the mum's trolley. And she said, you can't have that. And they said, I want to get an ice cream on that. And they want like that. You know, we've all seen those kids. Some of you are probably one of those kids. All right. And uh, then, uh, and this lady walks along with a, a two-year-old uh, we, we, we determined that we were not going to have terrible twos in our household. And then I said, we're not going to have terrible twos. So we had this confession, we don't have the terrible twos. We forgot to mention about the terrible twenties, but nevertheless, that's right. <laughs> that's it. All right. So, um, so she, this lady walked along with a baby in, in the trolley, and the baby uh, just looking at these other kids, and what's, what's happening? And this grandmother comes up to the lady in the trolley, and she says to her, Never let their feet touch the ground. And it's true. It's true that, that when once you let your flesh have a little bit of a rain, all right, you're gonna rein it in and it will fight. You will fight for the right to be right. True, you will fight for the right to be self-righteous. You will fight for the right to say that is not fair. You'll fight for the right to get your what's coming my way. And your flesh, even when you know it, you'll fight the right to watch that thing, to say that thing. And the Bible says we are to crucify our flesh. We start with deliberate lifestyle choice about what we choose to watch, what we choose to listen to, what we choose to say. Okay? The flesh doesn't like to be. Uh, the flesh doesn't like to be told that it no longer has the right to reign in your life. But I think that's a good thing for us to say. In fact, will you join me in saying that my flesh, my flesh no, longer no longer has the right, has the right to, reign in my life. to reign in my life? And how we? One way we do that, guys. We are to feed our faith, not to feed our fears. We're to feed our faith. We're to think about those things that build faith. The Bible says, the scriptures say, whatever is good, whatever is perfect, whatever is honest, whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things. And we can deliberately choose to think on those things. And we can frame our life on the blessing and the Spirit of God and walk in the fruit of the Spirit. It's a lifestyle choice. It's a lifestyle choice. Just turn with me if you a few more minutes said I I'm often amazed at this particular miracle, uh, which is in John chapter eleven. And if anyone, I guess, I think it's probably very safe to say if there's anyone that knew how to walk in the spirit, it was Jesus. Uh, if you're doing our essentials course, in the last couple of weeks we talked about this uh, theological term, it's called the kenosis. Right, which is from Colossians, it means that, that Jesus, though being God, emptied himself of all those things and, and became a human amongst us. So whenever we see Jesus doing something, he's really doing it as a man, all right? But he's doing it in the power of God because he had the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We have the Holy Spirit. And we traced on Wednesday, we traced through the amount of scriptures that said, 
Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, or Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit, or Jesus heard by the Holy Spirit. So this is God acting as a man. In fact, Jesus was all that Adam was supposed to be. So much so that he's called he's called the second Adam. Alright? So when we look at this, and, and he did have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, none of us have. Uh, God chose to do that because he was perfect, and so the, back, the Holy Spirit came down upon him, and he was Christos, he was the anointed one to show, really, and to deliver us. But when we see this story, it's the story of Jesus involved in the resurrection of Lazarus. And just when you go through it, uh, I'll fill you on the story, those of you who can't remember. It's only mentioned in John chapter 11. Now we read, it's an outstanding miracle. It is one of those miracles which uh, were always uh, destined. Now God didn't destine Lazarus to die early to suffer sickness, but God destined it to be a miracle to his glory. And we'll look at that scripture in a minute. All right. But uh, it was timed so that it would explode in Jerusalem just before Jesus was to walk into Jerusalem okay and so uh, there was a, and what Jesus was working in there there was a, a, a gift of the working of miracles if you understand 1 Corinthians 14 the working of miracles which raised Lazarus there was also the gift of healing because if Lazarus was raised but wasn't made better then he wouldn't have lived a long time after those so there were all those gifts of the spirit but then there was also faith that Jesus walked in. And so it's really interesting to see. So I'm presuming here that he's walking in the spirit. True? Is that, that's safe? It's interesting to see the battle that he had with those around him to walk in the spirit and in his own mind what was going through it. So verse 11, chapter 11, verse, verse 1, it says, There was a man who was sick named Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. And Martha was the one who appointed the Lord with anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet, the Lord's feet, with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus that was sick. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. So Jesus was up in the north. When Jesus heard it, he said, "This. It's interesting that to walk in the Spirit, one of the first things first things we need to do is to control our mouth." To control what we say. The book of James says, one says, faith without works is death and is dead, and then it says the primary work of faith is what you say. Walking in a lot of walking in the spirit is to speak good things about other people. It's to speak good things about your situation. It's for you to agree with what God has said. Because it's a work of faith. Right? And Jesus heard it. He says, this sickness is not to end in death, but it's to end in the glory of God. If you've got a chance to look it up in the Greek, otherwise just take my word for it. They're filled in a lot of words there. It says, this sickness is not to be unto death, it's to be unto the glory of God. And so straight away, Jesus was making a decision to trust in God. He was making a decision to speak God's words and to speak life. 
If you can't control your words, you'll never control your life. That's what James says. If you can't speak what God has to say about you, you'll never live in that promise. If you can't declare righteousness over yourself, you'll never walk in righteousness. If you can't stand in the mirror and say, I'm looking good today, I'm an object of God's love, He loves me, He cares for me, He thinks I'm beautiful, you'll never walk in that love. You'll never know it, you'll never experience the kingdom of God. We have to, walking in the Spirit is speaking like God speaks a lot of it. And here, if you go through this, there's a, a few other principles he's got. One, he got lots of opposition, but he, he acted. He then decided to act on what he knew was God's will. Now, it was a couple of days' walk. The Bible tells us later he didn't know that Lazarus had been dead four days. He sensed in the spirit that Lazarus had died. But can you imagine that journey? And you follow it. We don't have time now to look at it. But they're, pest, they're, they're peppering him with doubt and unbelief. But he's dead. But why are we going there? The last time we went there, they tried to stone us. What do you think we're going there? On and on and on and on. So walking in the spirit, guys, it comes down to some real nitty gritty stuff where you're going to say no to a lot of things that are very justifiable and that make a lot of sense. Or you're going to say no to a lot of religious things. And you're going to deliberately choose to believe what God has said about me. I remember when, um, I remember when uh, we just were looking at Elise there, when I was going into the second year at Bible College and we had decided to stay and we had no money left. And I made a stand on faith to decide to say I prayed about it and I believe it was God's will. I came back. Uh, one night I said to Linda, I said, I said, God's going to provide for us and he's going to provide over an abundance and we're going to pay for someone full college fees and all that kind of past. But about three weeks later, we found out that Linda was pregnant. How she got pregnant? We found out she was pregnant. Now, what uh, I do know. <laughs> Thank you, just in case any rumors start, all right? <laughs> and then... But the thing is, what had happened is that I had already decided to make a stand in faith. We didn't have any money. We had $200 left in the bank. It started with, I think, $27,000. Now, $27,000 back in those days, it would buy you a house, it would buy you a car, it would buy you an island, and you'd still have some for your superannuation. Again, kids these days don't believe you when you're talking about it. But we spent that all the first year. We had $200 left. And we made, I made a stand in faith. And then a couple of weeks later, we found out that Linda was pregnant. And then, well, it's inconvenient because you understand we have friends in the States who's, who, they were still paying back seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. And that would literally buy you one or two houses in the States then for the birth of their children. And who knows, my head was screaming at me. It's uncomfortable, but it's the truth that walking in the spirit, you will have to kill the flesh. You'll have to put the flesh down. You'll have to make a stand and your head will scream. And we decide, I decided we're going, we're, I've made a stand. I've already made a stand of faith. We're going ahead with this. We don't know how God's going to provide, but he's going to provide. And someone said to me, well, why don't you ring? You know, I was actually on that stage, it was a couple months later and I'd started to get a bit of a trickle of money coming in more uh, than what than what we could get health benefits from. If you got more than $2,000 a month, you got health benefits. 
Now, how it worked was a number of my my uh, my commission pays fell into one month, and so on that on that uh, month, uh, I was at two thousand six hundred dollars. I don't know. So I phoned the but the friends of ours said, just ring the health insurance, ring the government health insurance. So we phoned the government health insurance, knowing that we didn't qualify for it because it's what you earn that month that you make the claim, you know. I phoned them and a gentleman asked, he said, well, what have you earned this month? I said, $2,600. He said, well, you're way over getting health insurance. And then he said to me, now, he said, hang on, are you Australian? Yeah, like, I didn't know whether to answer that truthfully. <laughs> You know, no, I answered the truth. I said, yes, I am. He said, did you used to work at that, this particular store called Carpet Corner on 81st and Tulsa? I said, yes, I did. He said, do you remember helping a, a, a gentleman and a lady with a Filipino wife? I said, yes, I do. This was just a few weeks before. And it turns out there's still a fair bit of racism was back then in Tulsa, but I'd been gracious to the say. He said, I remember you. He said, now, I went inside, he said, how many weeks is your wife? And I said, she's six weeks. And I said, so that means it was conceived the previous month. I said, yes, at least it was conceived the previous month. He said, well, how much do you earn that month? I heard like $500 that month. He said, we'll cover you. And he wrote it up and he covered us. You know, the thing we've got is God lives outside of time. And when we walk in the spirit and we make a step in the spirit, we make a stand on faith and we believe, he knows that we were going to do that. He's already arranged for it. Now, that would have cost us because Linda, she got her own doctor. She got private doctor, private hospital. Uh, the doctor was a Christian. He said, what are we believing for? He said, we're believing for an, for, a, for an easy birth. He said, hold my hands, we'll pray. So they prayed for it, and it was the most wonderful birth. But I guess what I'm saying at is walking in the Spirit, by necessity, involves denying the flesh and putting down the flesh. And we see here that Jesus and your confession needs to be when your head is screaming, your confession needs to be what God word, God's word says about you. Don't nullify the work of the spirit by what you say. And we see here there's I think eight times to verse seven. He said, let us go to Judea. Verse, verse 11, he says, uh, I, our, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm on my way to wake him up. Verse 15, he says, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there when he fell asleep so that you will believe. And it goes through time and time. There's eight times when Jesus was pressured to walk in the flesh and he walked in the spirit. Brethren, we've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but in love serve one another. We're called to walk in the spirit. We're called to... To walk by love, by joy, by peace, by patience, endurance. Walking in the Spirit will require endurance, but the Holy Spirit will give you that endurance. We're called to believe against the circumstances and to believe in line with the Word of God. We've got some music or we've got something to finish with. We're going to get up and... Our musicians decide not to be here. We've actually got three of them. Praise God. Brethren, we may say, I've been called to liberty. I've been called to liberty. But I choose not to make it an occasion for the flesh. But in love, I serve. Praise God.